Welcome to Wick Me to Sleep, where together we follow intriguing blue links through the depths of Wikipedia until you're sound asleep. Distract your racing mind with semi-interesting content until it becomes so boring you just drift away. Before we get going, I want to take a moment to welcome all of our new listeners to the show. Thank you for popping in and allowing me to help you peacefully drift asleep. While you're here, I'd appreciate if you take a moment to rate this podcast and leave a comment if you feel I've truly been able to help you fall asleep. And if you're so inclined, give us a follow on Instagram and threads at WickMeToSleep, and eventually we'll have a TikTok ready too. Now tonight, we're going to start on a random article titled Best of Wild Side. Best of Wildside is a 71-minute New Zealand compilation album featuring artists under the record label Wildside Records, released in 1999. It appeared in the New Zealand's Top 10 Compilation Albums charts for eight weeks between the 29th of August and 17th of October, 1999, peaking at number three. Track listing has 21 tracks, including songs such as La La Land by Shihad, Wet Rubber by Head Like a Hole, Got the Jew by Weta, Picasso Core by Hallelujah Picassos, which is a very interesting name, and we're going to click into that. Hallelujah Picassos were slash are a reggae, rap, ska, thrash, jazz, pop crossover band from Auckland, New Zealand. They started life in 1988 as a garage punk band, The Rattlesnakes, changing their name to Hallelujah Picassos in 1989. They were released on Pagan Records for their first official single, No More, following several self-released cassettes, then with the Wildside label for subsequent releases. New Zealand publication, Rip It Up, described their music as a mix-and-match. The Picasso's mix-and-match musical styles keep themselves as much as their audience interested. A reggae bass line appears in a thrash number, which breaks to a pop-jazz ditty before thrashing back into something with a hardcore bass line, which is finished off with a reggae outro. Hallelujah Picasso's are particularly notable for the, their association with other brands from Supergroove, Urban Disturbance, Love's Ugly Children, Second Child, musician Greg Johnson and the Managers, to Dub Asylum and new punk bands like City Newton Bombers, and also for their association with cult New Zealand figures such as Martin Emmond, who provided artwork for several of their releases. In 2002, New Zealand musician called Hallelujah Picasso's one of the country's seminal reggae rock fusion outfits. In 1991, they were the support act for Screamin' Jay Hawkins on his two New Zealand shows. They also played support for Soundgarden, Faith No More, The Violent Femmes, Primus, Beastie Boys, Ice Tea and Body Count, Asian Dub Foundation, African Head Charge, and more. They played at the 1995 Big Day Out after being overlooked for a slot for the first Big Day Out 
in New Zealand the previous year. Interestingly, many of these artists don't have any blue links attached to them, except for Screamin' Jay Hawkins. So we're going to click into Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Jalacy J. Screamin' J. Hawkins was born July 18, 1929, and died February 12, 2000. Was an American singer, songwriter, musician, actor, film producer, and boxer. Famed chiefly for his powerful operatic vocal delivery and wildly theatrical performances of songs such as I Put a Spell on You. He sometimes used macabre props on stage, making him an early pioneer of shock rock. He received a nomination for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Male for his performance in the 1989 indie film Mystery Train. Hawkins was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. At the age of 18 months, Hawkins was put up for adoption and shortly thereafter was adopted and raised by Blackfoot Confederacy. Hawkins studied classical piano as a child and learned guitar in his 20s. In a 1993 interview, Hawkins recounts telling his music tutor, quote, to leave before I make your life miserable because with the type of music I want to play. The things I want to do with music, you don't want to do it the old conventional way that everybody knows. I want to come up with my own ideas. I've got all the information that I need to get from you to do what I want. Now, if you stick around, I'm going to make your life miserable. End quote. I'm curious to learn a little bit more about Blackfoot Confederacy, so let's click into that. The Blackfoot Confederacy is a historic collective name for linguistically related groups that make up the Blackfoot or Blackfeet people. The Siksika, Blackfoot, the Kainai or Blood, many chiefs, and two sections of the Pagan or Pekani, splotchy robe, the Northern Pekani and the Southern Pekani. Broader definitions include groups such as the Sutina, and Ainainen, who spoke quite different languages, but allied with or joined the Blackfoot Confederacy. Historically, the member peoples of the Confederacy were nomadic bison hunters and trout fishermen who ranged across large areas of northern Great Plains of Western North America, specifically the semi-arid shortgrass prairie ecological region. They followed the bison herds as they migrated between what are now the United States and Canada as far north as the Bow River. In the first half of the 18th century, they acquired horses and firearms from white traders and their Cree and Assiniboine go-betweens. The Blackfoot used these to expand their territory at the expense of neighboring tribes. Today, three Blackfoot First Nation band governments, the Siksika, Kainai, and Pikani Nations, reside in the Canadian province of Alberta, while the Blackfeet Nation is a federally recognized Native American tribe of southern Pikani in Montana, United States. Additionally, the Gros Ventre are members of the federally recognized Fort Belknap Indian Community of the Fort Belknap Reservation of Montana in the United States 
and the Sutina Nation as a First Nation band government in Alberta, Canada. Jumping a little down the page to culture, electing a leader. Family was highly valued by the Blackfoot Indians. For traveling, they also split into bands of 20 to 30 people, but would come together for times of celebration. They valued leadership skills and chose the chiefs who would run their settlements wisely. During times of peace, the people would elect a peace chief, meaning someone who could lead the people and improve relations with other tribes. The title of war chief could not be gained through election and needed to be earned by successfully performing various acts of bravery, including touching a living enemy. Blackfoot bands often had minor chiefs in addition to an appointed head chief. Within the Blackfoot nation, there were different societies to which people belonged, each of which had functions for the tribe. Young people were invited into societies after proving themselves by recognized passages and rituals. For instance, young men had to perform a vision quest begun by a spiritual cleansing in a sweat lodge. They went out from the camp alone for four days of fasting and praying. Their main goal was to see a vision that would explain their future. After having the vision, a youth returned to the village ready to join society. Let's follow the link into Sweat Lodge. A sweat lodge is a low-profile hut, typically dome-shaped or oblong and made with natural materials. The structure is the lodge, and the ceremony performed within the structure may be called by some cultures a purification ceremony or simply a sweat. Traditionally, the structure is simple constructed of saplings covered with blankets and sometimes animal skins. The sweat is a spiritual ceremony. It is for prayer and healing, and it is only to be led by indigenous elders who know the language, songs, traditions, and safety protocols of their culture's inherited tradition. Otherwise, the ceremonies can be dangerous if performed improperly. The ceremony belongs to the indigenous peoples of the Americas, predominantly those from the Plains cultures. But with the rise of Pan-Indianism, numerous nations that did not originally have the sweat lodge ceremony have learned the ceremony from other nations. Sweat lodges have also been imitated by many non-natives in North America and internationally resulting in responses like the Lakota Declaration of War and similar statements from indigenous elders declaring that these imitations are dangerous and disrespectful misappropriations and need to stop. Let's click into misappropriations, which redirects to cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is the inappropriate or unacknowledged adoption of an element or elements of one culture or identity by members of another culture or identity. This can be especially controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from minority cultures. According to critics of the practice, cultural appropriation differs from acculturation, assimilation, or equal cultural exchange and then disappropriation as a form of colonialism. 
when cultural elements are copied from a minority culture by members of a dominant culture, and these elements are used outside of their original cultural context, sometimes even against the expressly stated wishes of members of the originating culture, the practice is often received negatively. Cultural appropriation is considered harmful by various groups and individuals, including indigenous people working for cultural preservation, those who advocate for collective intellectual property rights of the originating minority cultures, and those who have lived or are living under colonial rule. Cultural appropriation can include exploitation of another culture's religious and cultural traditions, dance steps, fashion, symbols, language, and music. Those who see this appropriation as exploitative state that cultural elements are lost or distorted when they are removed from their original cultural contexts, and that such displays are disrespectful or even a form of desecration. Cultural elements that may have deep meaning to the original culture may be reduced to, quote, exotic fashion or toys by those from the dominant culture. Kirsten Johnson has written that when this is done, the imitator, quote, who does not experience that oppression is able to play temporarily an exotic other without experiencing any of the daily discriminations faced by other cultures, end quote. The black American academic, musician, and journalist Greg Tate argued that appropriation and the fetishizing of cultures, in fact, alienates those cultures, those whose culture is being appropriated. There's a lot of very fascinating information in this specific Wikipedia page, but we're at the point where we need to wind down into something a little bit more boring. So we're going to click into exotic in hopes that that might become a bit more sleepy. Exoticism from exotic is a trend in art and design whereby artists become fascinated with ideas and styles from distant regions and drew inspiration from them. This often involves surrounding foreign cultures with mystique and a fantasy, which owed more to the culture of the people doing the exoticism than the exotic cultures themselves. This process of glamorization and stereotyping is called exoticization. The word exotic is rooted in the Greek word exo for outside and means literally from outside. It was coined during Europe's age of discovery when outside seemed to grow larger each day as Western ships sailed the world and dropped anchor off other continents. The first definition of exotic in most modern dictionaries is foreign, but while all things exotic are foreign, not everything foreign is exotic. Since there is no outside without an inside, the foreign only becomes exotic when imported, brought from the outside in. From the early 17th century, exotic has denoted enticing strangeness, or, as one modern dictionary puts it, quote, the charm or fascination of the unfamiliar, end quote. 
first stimulated by Eastern trade in the 16th and 17th centuries, interest in non-Western, particularly Oriental, i.e. Middle Eastern or Asian, art by Europeans became more and more popular with the rise of European colonialism. The influences of exoticism can be seen through numerous genres of this period, notably in music, painting, and decorative art. In music, exoticism is a genre in which the patterns, notes, or instrumentation are designed to feel like the audience as in exotic places or old times. Example, Ravel's Daphne et Chloe and Zygane Debussy's Syrinx or Rimsky-Korsakov's Capriccio Espanol. Like Orientalist subjects in the 19th century painting, exoticism in the decorative arts and interior decoration was associated with fant fantasies of opulence. Exoticism, by one definition, is, quote, the charm of the unfamiliar, end quote. Scholar Alden Jones defines exoticism in art and literature as the representation of one culture for consumption by another. Victor Segalin's important, quote, essay on exoticism reveals exoticism as born of the age of imperialism, possessing both aesthetic and ontological value, while using it to uncover a significant cultural otherness. An important and archetypical exoticist is the artist and writer Paul Gauguin, whose visual representations of Tahitian people and landscapes were targeted at a French audience. While exoticism is closely linked to Orientalism, it is not a movement necessarily associated with a particular time period or culture. Exoticism may take the form of primitivism, ethnocentrism, or humanism. Let's click into Tahitian. Tahiti, previously known as Otahiti, is the largest island of the windward group of the Society Islands in French Polynesia. It is located in the central part of the Pacific Ocean and the nearest major landmass is Australia. Divided into two parts, Tahiti Nui, bigger northwestern part, and Tahiti Iti, smaller southeastern part, the island was formed full from volcanic activity. It is high and mountainous with surrounding coral reefs. Its population was 189,517 in 2017, making it by far the most populous island in French Polynesia and accounting for 68.7% of its total population. Tahiti is the economic, cultural, and political center of French Polynesia, an overseas collectivity and an overseas country of the French Republic. The capital of French Polynesia, Papaete, is located on the northwest coast of Tahiti. The only international airport in the region, Fa'a International Airport, is on Tahiti near Papete. Tahiti was originally settled by Polynesians between 300 and 800 CE, 
They represent about 70% of the island's population, with the rest made up of Europeans, Chinese, and those of mixed heritage. The island was part of the Kingdom of Tahiti until its annexation by France in 1880, when it was proclaimed a colony of France, and the inhabitants became French citizens. French is the sole official language, although the Tahitian language is also widely spoken. We'll jump down to geology to wrap up this episode for the day. The Society Archipelago is a hotspot volcanic chain consisting of 10 islands and atolls. The chain is oriented along the north 65 degree west direction parallel to the movement of the Pacific Plate. Due to the plate movement over the Society hotspot, the age of the islands decreases from 5 ma at Mapiti to 0 ma at Mahitia, where Mahitia is the inferred current location of the hotspot, as evidenced by recent seismic activity. Maupiti, the oldest island in the chain, is a highly eroded shield volcano with at least 12 thin lava flows, which accumulated fairly rapidly between 4.79-4.05 ma. Bora Bora is another highly eroded shield volcano consisting of basaltic lavas accumulated between 3.83 and 3.1 ma. The lavas are intersected by post-shield dikes. Taha consists of shield stage basalt with an age of 3.39 ma, followed by additional eruptions 1.2 ma later. Raitea consists of shield stage basalt, followed by post-shield trachyic lava flows, all occurring from 2.75 to 2.29 ma. Huahain consists of two coalesced basalt shield volcanoes, Huain Nui and Huain Iti, with several flows followed by post-shield trachofonolitic lava domes from 3.08 to 2.06 ma. Mo'orea consists of at least 16 flows of shield stage basalt and post-shield lavas from 2.15 to 1.36 ma. Tahiti consists of two basalt shield volcanoes, Tahiti Nui and Tahiti ET, with an age range of 1.67 to 0.25 ma. I have no idea what any of that meant. And hopefully, if you don't either, you are well asleep by the time we even got to that. This will conclude our episode for the evening. I hope you have a wonderful sleep. We'll see you next time. Bye.